Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papa Toi Toi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. You know, I've, I've always uh, enjoyed uh, watching movies based around, you know, different kings, different kind of kings and the kingdoms that they rule over. You know, there are so many different movies out there that capture, you know, the stories of the great things kings did in their time. And there are movies based on the history of the past, and there are movies that are just, you know, like action movies, really, um, and with a king you know, representing that storyline. Today, I have the privilege of introducing our sermon series uh, called The Kings of Old which is based on the stories of the kings of Israel and Judah, uh, told in the Old Testament books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. And the stories of the kings of old, they tell of countless adventures, uh, tales of victories and conquering nations, uh, along with unexpected plot, twists of scandals and betrayal within the kingdoms themselves. Uh, There's heaps of action and warfare, uh, triumphs, as well as tragedy. The thing is that throughout all of these amazing stories, there is a God who oversees everything. He loves his people, has amazing plans and promise for them, and high hopes that, you know, they will walk in righteousness and relationship with him. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. There There were 42 kings who led the nation of Israel over a 500-year period. And so some of them were godly men who walked in the fear of the Lord, submitting their kingship to God as the real ruler of the nation of Israel. So these particular men, they were great kings. The sad thing is, there actually wasn't many great kings at all. Unfortunately, many of the kings of old chose to live ungodly and evil lives. So as we dive into the series, let me be clear here before we start on this amazing journey. There are two things, okay, that will pop up throughout this series. First, the series will teach us a history lesson of the kings of old. Some of you might learn for the very first time about some of these kings that you might never have heard of. Knowing your Bible and all its connection to history is a good thing. And it's sometime, it's something we will always promote here at church. So second of all, we will learn good and bad things about the different kings and hopefully be able to relate uh, to their moral lifestyle to the way we live our lives today. So yes, we will learn more about the biblical history and we will learn from successes and mistakes of these kings. But that's not the main purpose behind the series. Let me read you this quote uh, from a theologian. The kings of old is a story that involves the sinfulness of kings and the people they represent. Their ongoing idolatry and injustice is a story of a sad decline and a need for another king. In the kings of old, we meet the God of promise and salvation who orchestrates a royal line that will ultimately end with David's great son, Jesus. 
So the aim for this series is to make us aware of how the stories of the kings of old actually lead us to the most important king of all, King Jesus. Today I'm going to take us on a short journey and look at the first three kings uh, who ruled over Israel, starting with the first king, King Saul. Let me set the scene about how Saul became the first king of Israel. There was a man named Samuel who was a prophet and a judge. Now, the role of a prophet was to be God's messenger to the people. In those days, mankind you know, had very restricted access to God. And so when God spoke to them, he did so using a prophet who would go to the people and tell them the message from God. So Samuel's other role as well, as well as a prophet, he was a judge. And as a judge, he was to be God's appointed leader among the people who would oversee order and justice. So not just in legal matters, but in military and governing as well. Now, there came a time where Samuel, he was an old, you know, he was old by this time, and it was time for him to appoint a new judge to take over his role for the people of Israel. And he chose to pass the role of the judge to his two sons. The problem of this, as we read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 3, this is what it says. Samuel's sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Because Israel relied on judges to rule over them all these years, the people, they weren't confident with Samuel's sons to represent God for them because Samuel's sons, they were corrupt. And for that very reason, verse 5 of that same chapter, it says, so they said to Samuel, these are the elders of, the, you know, of Israel, you are old, your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to judge us like all the other nations who have a king. You see, Israel was the only nation that didn't have a king to rule over them. They were different. As God's chosen people, Israel had judges. And Samuel was the last of these judges. In a way, even though the Israelites said they didn't want Samuel's sons in authority over them because they were ungodly, their real motives for wanting a king is shown at the end of this verse Five, And this is what it says. It says, appoint a king to judge us, and this part here, like all the other nations. Even though they tried to sound like they just wanted a godly leader, their real reasoning behind wanting a king was they wanted to be like the world. Everyone else has got one except us. Come on, Samuel. I mean, we're lagging behind in today's society. Everyone has a king to look after them. Why should we miss out? We should have the same. They looked at what the world had, and they wanted a piece of it for themselves. They wanted to be like the nations that surrounded them. God, however, he never wanted them to be like the world. They were chosen to be his people. Exodus chapter 19, very quickly in verse 5, it says, out of all nations, you, which is the nation of Israel, will be my treasured 
position. And although the whole world, earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and, and a holy nation. God promised to take care of all their needs as they continued to trust and obey. He was their God and they were his people. He blessed them and protected them. And all the world knew that the Israelites were God's chosen people. This in turn, it spread the news about who the one true king of the world was. The one and only Yahweh. And God would be seen through the example of how the people of Israel lived. You know, godly and set apart from everyone else. As a holy nation under the one true God. Israel were purposed to be living examples to the ungodly world around them. But Israel didn't want that. Instead, they wanted a king like all the other nations. You see, there was a bigger reason to why Israel wanted a king. During this time, there was pressure from a neighboring nation known as the Ammonites. And the king of the Ammonites was this man called King Nahash. He was this evil pagan king. Now, King Nahash had a fearless army who were getting ready to attack Israel at the time. A nation, and remember, Israel at this time were a nation who had no king and they had no army. So Israel was feeling the pressure. And Israel came up with their own solution to the problem. They figured that if they could have their own king, then he could pull together an army to defend and fight back against the Ammonites because of their fear and lack of trust. They thought they knew better than God. They forgot everything that God had promised. They forgot that they were his treasured possession. Israel's request for a king, that, that made Samuel sad. And so Samuel, he went to God in prayer about it. And this is what God replied in 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, it says, And the Lord told Samuel, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Right here, we see the heart of Israel. They no longer felt God was doing a good job of looking after them. They forgot about being God's treasured possession during a time of pressure. So because the people persisted in their request, God allowed them to have their king. An important thing for you and I to learn is that he allowed it not because he wanted it, but because the people wanted it. God loved them so much. It's as if he said, okay, you already have a king, which is me, but because you think the idea of being like the world, of having a king is better then I'm not going to twist your arm to convince you that it's wrong, but I'm going to let you make your own choice because I love you too much to force you to obey me. Church family, in every hard decision you have to make, do you surrender the pressures of life to God and faithfully trust Him? Have there been times when you have chosen a worldly solution over what God is telling you? Let me just remind us here that all our major decisions should be surrendered to God. 
Let's not allow our groups of friends to make decisions for us. Don't allow whatever's hot and trending on social media to dictate what we want to have or be like. Sometimes Christians today make the mistake of going to their friends or their leaders or even their pastor for advice, yet they haven't yet gone to God in prayer and fasting and reading their word. And why is that? Well, let me tell you, it's because we can become lazy in doing those things, praying, fasting, reading the word. We are not always keen Let's be honest, we're not always keen to press in and be patient waiting for God. We are so used, used to having everything on the internet, you know, quick, easy access to our answers. Well, the answers are found on Google, right? Wrong. And so, for the next 500 years, Israel got to experience life. Having an earthly king instead of, a God, instead of God as their king. And surprise, surprise, the majority of those 42 earthly kings were evil. But hey, Israel finally got their way and having their very first king of Israel, King Saul. Saul then took the Israelites into battle against the Ammonites. You know, and their king, King Nahash, from there Saul was confirmed by the people as the new king of Israel. In the eyes of the Israelites, Saul was exactly what they were looking for in a king. He was a strong warrior, big in stature, and fearless in battle. They got what they asked for, and Saul helped lead them to victory against the Ammonites. But let me read to you what Samuel says on behalf of God to the people of Israel after their victory against the Ammonites and after making Saul as their king. Samuel says to this new king and to this new kingdom in 1 Samuel chapter 12, if you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you, the, uh, the people of Israel, and the king, which was King Saul, who reigns over you, follow the Lord your God, then that's good. Verse 15, though, but if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Even though God didn't agree to this king, he still gave Saul and the people of Israel an opportunity of success in their own personal decision. As long as they obeyed God's way, it could work in their favor. I guess the Israelites were happy with their new king and the great result of Saul leading them to, to fight and win against the Ammonites. Things seemed to be off to a good start. But there's a saying, you know, I've always heard. Times when you decide to do something hard in life, like lose weight or take some years out to study for a, you know, for a degree or something or work towards a better job opportunity. And this is the saying, it's this. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. The people of Israel gained their first victory under their belt after appointing a king. But what about the long-term effects of this decision? You see, Saul was the king for the next 40 years for Israel. He started off going great, but he didn't end so well. 
On the outside, he looked the part, but on the inside, he didn't really walk in the fear of God. He abused his power. He blurred uh, the lines of what his role as a king was supposed to be. And in time, because Saul chose to live and lead the way that he did, his time as king came to a sad end. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. God chose the next king for Israel. It was God that chose it this time. And we know him as the one and only King David. David is probably known as the most respected and admired king in the history of Israel. He was known to be the best king because he understood his role as an Israelite king under the authority of the one true king. Now, David wasn't perfect, though. Many of you may know of the story of David and Bathsheba and how David committed murder and adultery, all just to satisfy his own lustful desires. He eventually repented of his sin, but there were many consequences to the choices that he made. And as you read on about David and his family, David had eight wives, eight. Some of them for political alliances with other kingdoms, some for other reasons. But the fact that he had eight wives, of course, meant that he had multiple kids to these different women, which created a lot of chaos in his household. There were so many issues in the house, rage, uh, indecent behavior, uh, jealousy, uh, bitterness between his children, and even towards David himself even murder. And what does David do to act as a good father figure would do for his household? Nothing. So the craziness continued on. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Continuing on our journey, David passes his kingship over to his son who became the third king of Israel, King Solomon. And what David did in little, Solomon, he went overboard. David had eight wives, while Solomon had 700 wives, and then he had 300 concubines. Solomon took everything to another level. His wealth, his riches, his ownership of material things. In his early years as king, he was the wisest man around And with this wisdom given to him by God, he was able to succeed in anything he put his mind to. But in his later years, this is what we read about Solomon's life. 1 Kings chapter 11, it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives, 700 of them, turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to to the Lord his God. Verse 6, Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Under these three kings, King Saul, King David, King Solomon, Israel was this one united kingdom. Yet because of Solomon's sin, there were some serious Repercussions and things began to fall apart for Israel. Literally, Israel ended up divided into two kingdoms. 
the northern kingdom, you know, known as the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom, known as the kingdom of Judah. The kingdom never reunited again. So the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel is this guy by the name of Jeroboam, who was the one who was one of uh, King Solomon's staff members. He wasn't even part of the family royal line. There were 19 kings that come from this kingdom, and out of all of the 19 kings, not one of them were followers of God. All 19 were evil kings. The first king of the northern uh, kingdom of Israel, um, sorry, uh, then we look at the, the southern kingdom of Judah. The first king to represent this kingdom is uh, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam is one of King Solomon's sons. There were 20 kings that came from this kingdom. Out of these 20 kings, only about six or seven of them were godly. You know, depending on how you look at who started well and who finished well, yet the rest of them were evil. And this is how the united kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms. Let's bring our attention back to the people of Israel and their reasons for choosing an earthly king instead of God as their king. The reason why Israel wanted their own king was because, like I said before, they wanted their own way of living. They weren't willing to trust God as their ruler and protector. And even though God wasn't happy with their decision, he loved them so much, he gave them what they wanted. Choosing their own king, I mean, it started off well, and I'm sure they felt it was a good decision, but in the long term, things began to fall apart right to a point when everything collapsed and affected their lives for the next 500 years of being ruled by an earthly king. When we look at this history, I look at our lives today, and we can all come here every Sunday and praise God in front of each other, and I say our usual, usual hallelujahs and praise the Lord. Yet, as soon as Monday comes around, the first day back to work, the pressure of paying bills are there, you know, back to school, and the worries of passing exams and tests and paying student fees, after praising God today here together. And the first thing, you know, we may worry about tomorrow is our relationship issues with our spouse, family members, or friends. And with all of these pressures squeezing the very life out of us, we forget about the God that we worshipped and adored on Sunday morning. It's like our Sunday morning God can't look after our Monday morning issues. <laughs> and with all the pressure, we look to other things to help us solve our problems because we feel God doesn't have our best interests in mind. Uh, or maybe deep down, we don't think He's strong enough or real enough to handle our problems. How quickly we can forget that we are God's treasured possession. And why is that? Well, like I said earlier, 
It's because we have become lazy in praying and fasting and reading God's word on a personal level. Hear me here. It will always be harder for you to pray. It will always be harder for you to fast. And it will always be harder for you to read your Bible. If you allow the world around you to tell you how to live your life. If we continue to put our trust in other things to bring satisfaction to your life. You know, security and money, popularity, happiness, fame, success. It may look and feel good at the start, but over time, if our lives are not founded on the true King Jesus, things will eventually fall apart in such a miserable way. You know, Weens, uh, my wife and I, uh, are praying about some decisions for our family next year that will affect our income in a major way. And we are sensing the need you know, to invest more time into our kids and their education. And we feel you know, a slight push in a direction that if we look at it from a worldly pers- uh, perspective, will make things very tight financially for our family. Although the obvious choice might be, to, might be to just keep trusting in ourselves, to provide in our own strength, doing things our own way, we know we need to pray and hear from God clearly on what he wants us to do. But we are, um, you know, we are very aware that whatever decision God calls us to make for next year, man, he will provide. He will provide for every need that we have. We just need to trust in him. Now, as hard as it is for us to step out in faith in these decisions for our family, we have to constantly remind ourselves to continue to pray, to fast, and even to read God's word because his way always works out for the best. And no matter what is going on on the outside, God is interested in my heart. A heart that needs to trust God under all the pressure that comes my way. A heart that needs to stand in faith that God knows what is best for me, even if I don't get what I think I want. It's not about me trying to find better ways to make more money because I'm worried about the future of my family. That is not the answer. The answer is not choosing worldly things over the promises of God for my life and for your life as well. So what about you? As I finish here, how much trust do you have in God? Are you able to make decisions confidently because you have taken your requests to God in prayer? but also in fasting and also through reading his word? Or are you making decisions based off what the world is telling you? Prayer, fasting, and God's word, those things are essentials for our Christian lives. Do these things take discipline? Yes. Hence why 
we should practice them more often because the enemy he doesn't want us to practice these foundational things he knows how exciting these things are for a person's life when you realize how much it can change us for the better let today's lesson for us be a reminder of how much you and I need to faithfully walk in the presence of God. Israel wanted a human king to rule over them because everyone else around them had their own kings. Let us not copy the behavior and the customs of this world and the ungodly things that surround us. Let God transform us into, this, into a new people by renewing our mindsets because that is how we learn to know God's will for us which is good which is pleasing and which is perfect so I leave that with you today as we start the sermon series the kings of old and I hope that you understand we can learn things from the mistakes or from the good, the good things that the, the kings have done in their lives um, it's good to know that they weren't perfect People like David, you know, where God says a man after my own heart, yet he had flaws. Well, that's good because I had flaws too, but I think I'm in good company. Where do you trust God right now in your life? And my key thing is you've come out of, you know, uh, what? Three, three months of, of lockdown going back to work, school, whatever you're doing and it's not the same and so because it's not the same you think, oh man, life is boring I just don't know what to do with my life I'm not too sure now and so you try and search for things to, to try and help that happiness, to fill that happiness the thing is I just want to encourage you some of you may be praying that's good if you're not, I encourage you to pray. How about you fast? Try that in your prayers. Dedicate some discipline. And how about reading your word? What does God say? <laughs> what is God saying to you? If God is big enough to, to tell you um, and you're needing to do something over here with a situation, well, then God is big enough to tell that person in the situation as well. How serious are we? and praying, and fasting, and in reading God's word, over what we see on social media, over what we see on the internet, over the, what we see on the news. All these things can trap us. We probably, let's be honest, we probably spend more time on that than we do in our word. It requires discipline. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know that the discipline is needed, and so that's why I push as hard as I can. I want you to do the same. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you.